as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. TV buff, Jen Chambers. How are you? <laughs> I am fine. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's been a long time coming. We just decided, you know, just in time to uh, expand on this. We previously covered some of these other shows, but uh, it was inevitable. We were just going to enhance the view and further detail them, Give d- dedicate an actual hour on and so we just figured, hey, let's actually detail SVU. Let's actually figure out why it's lasted 23 seasons and eventually 24 seasons. <laughs> yes, and you picked a great show to do that on. Um, one, that, one that really gelled with you. And, uh, you know, it's, long story short, you know, obviously it's part of the long-running crime series. It's made many careers. It's gotten many real life victims to actually be inspired to actually voice uh wrongdoing it's mirrors a lot of today's events uh, just like it did when it first premiered in 99 and it's constantly re-aired on fox channels and <laughs> usa network cable stations so i don't think you can flip through the cable channels without finding a rerun somewhere yeah somewhere eventually it's going to turn up and so long story short it had Mariska Hargitay in her star-making role as Detective Benson, who's now a sergeant, and then a lieutenant, and now a captain. (laughs) We got comedian Richard Belzer, who had previously played the character John Munch on Homicide, and continuing the cynical, smart-ass detective. It has Ice-T playing against type, you know, you know him as the rapper and actor, and here he is playing Finn, who's now a sergeant and used to be part of Vice Squad, and then you got to name a few others, you got Stabler, played by Chris Maloney. You got Dr. Warner, the medical examiner, played by Tamara Tooney. And you got prosecutors, Novak, played by Diane Neal, and uh, Cabot, played by Stephanie Branch. So it's Stephanie March. And George, uh, psychologist uh, and FBI liaison, uh, Huang, played by B.D. Wong. So... And nowadays it has assistant DA uh, Barba, played by Rael Esparza, and cop-turned-assistant DA uh, Carisi, played by Peter Skinavino. 
and the newest addition was Deputy Chief uh, Garland, played by Demory Barnes of the unit fame, and Detective Cat, played by Jamie Gray Hyder. And I think you have um, also Kelly Gadish. Is yes, I, yeah. I would I would be remiss. It, yeah. Midway through the run, it introduced uh, new detectives, Amaro, played by Danny Pino of Cold Case and The Shield fame, and Kelly Giddish, who had been on the show numerous times and then just started playing Rollins and is still with the show. Yeah. Uh, so, long story short, what gels about this? What has just made you just find it impossible to turn the TV off anytime you come across it, anytime you binge it, anytime it, it finds its way into your small screen TV? What's the writing? I mean, the writing is just captivating. I mean, the stories, I mean, they say it, that's, it, you know, torn straight from the, the headlines. Um, but I mean, they have two stories going on. Um, they have the, the stories that they, they, they take from the headlines. Those alone are just gripping, but then they also have the underlying stories with the characters that we follow, um, on a basis all through the right. story too. Yeah. It was the serious show just always just constantly, you know, promoted. I was already getting into some addictive shows like 24, watched all the Star Treks. I watched the hell out of X-Files and I'm not even a paranormal guy, but I just loved, again, how that was a syndicated show and everything was becoming very serialized. They would follow the storylines while still having a standalone mystery to tie it together. They... These actors were great and everything else I've seen them in, you know, they they really did have pretty good agents. You know, if they started any B movies, it was earlier in their career or just a silly TV movie. And they had a Broadway background, more or less. And a lot of the guest stars were, again, uh, just phenomenal, always getting nominations of some sort. So it, it couldn't escape any kind of attention. Everything was getting into the steady cam kind of shooting style, just like, you know, all the other procedurals and even the West Wing. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I think what's unique about um, about SVU is I, I, I didn't become a fan of SVU until later in the years. Um, I started watching SVU when they had their uh, reruns on like USA. USA would have marathons on Saturdays um, and they would have like the, the creepiest killers, you know one day yeah and, and so and, and we would pick up yeah we would pick up an episode or two there um and, and that's something you don't have to know really what's going on you could just pick up an episode or two. i remember would, the first the first one i watched was with robin williams um oh yeah that, and, that was gripping right there yeah and they used to even replay criminal intent the one of the other spinoffs and they stopped showing it now we shows it but they would even often have SVU and CI back-to-back -back episodes, and they would even have there be another theme is like comedian guest stars. <laughs> it's like, here's the ones with Deborah Messing, here's the one with Stephen Colbert, here's the one with, you know. Uh, endless possibilities. But, I mean, you didn't have to know what was going on. You could just, you know, tune into an episode. And I could remember that we would get sucked in, and we'd end up not being able to get anything done, or we, we would need to go somewhere, and we would be like, well, let's just watch one more episode. Um, so and, that, Yeah. Many people would even lose track of it after a while, forget it was still on, and it's like, well, here's the thing. It was never – it was always in a rivalry with CSI, and it's like it didn't have to be in a rivalry with CSI because, you know, CSI was its own deal, so was this. And, you know, this was kind of just following in the footsteps. You know, it had been – the whole premise had to begin with, you know, the original show was always kind of its standalone thing. 
but you watch those 20 seasons and they were interesting at just showing, you know, again, just, uh, you know, the, the mystery, then the arrest, and then the actual legal thing to tie it all off. And its own characters all were kind of immortalized, you know, everything from Briscoe to Van Buren to, you know, Jack McCoy. And this was always just kind of, because it was unpredictable, that's what was its greatest assets. Because, you know, criminal intent was always, you know, this ends as soon as the criminal confesses. <laughs> it's like, this was always just kind of a, this could be anything. There's, they could be going after a serial arsonist. They'd be go, going on a manhunt for some kind of unusual kidnapper who'd left disturbing social media messages. And But I you mean, never it, knew if it was going to be. When, when the episode started, um, you never knew if it was going to end up being what you thought it was going to be, um, the way that the episode started. So you, you couldn't really just you know, put your heels in and think that this is how it was going to turn out. And that's no, really what I all. love about SVU <laughs> is the writers um, some of them just really kind of threw you for a loop and which is why eventually I did decide, Hey, I think I'm, you know, when, when you, and you got to remember SVU I and mean, we're talking 1999. I mean, there was no Netflix, Netflix on the, on oh, the you mean. then. Yeah. Or, you know, so you couldn't binge watch that. I mean, yeah, maybe we could go to the good old down to the blockbuster. Maybe we might be able, I didn't, I don't even know if they had episodes of SVU and blockbuster. That and it didn't helped. help that, it wasn't for kids, so it's like, but yet yeah, some kids and teens were watching it. So it's interesting how it was kind of, it always had some kind of identity. I definitely saw part of it around 05, 07 era, and it's like yeah, here and there. And again, you get suckered in, even though none of us were religious watchers. It's like, and like you say, it's like the DVDs took a while to be unleashed, and it, it was interesting how everyone kind of had a history with how they got into it. It's like, some people would be like, that person is related to that kind of famous actor or, Oh, I got into it because I was a fan of this person on that show. And, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, everybody got their start on SBU. <laughs> everybody did at least a guest appearance on SBU. Uh, most of them. Yeah. I mean, Maloney was already coming straight off Oz. And so it's just funny how, um, other people just knew Hargaday just cause she's, you know, the daughter of, actress and model James Mansfield from years yeah. ago. And so it's like an iced tea, you know, it was, it was kind of funny. This is the guy whose rap career had kind of, uh, you know, not been happened as much. Now he was kind of going independent and just starring in just other wacky comedies and B films. And, uh, you know, his rap metal band body count is always a lot of fun, but it, it was interesting how he kind of, you know, that song Cop Killer just was banned from the radio. People totally misunderstood the take on it. It's just like, it's just a scenario. It's like, here's what happens if a cop messes with a gangster and everyone was just like, oh, I, I don't want that guy anywhere near, you know, a mainstream movie or They, they took way the other way. So, um. And it's kind of the same happened with Richard Belzer in a way. I mean, he kept making just jokes about jfk's conspiracy and everything is like yeah i wonder if that played a part in why he pretty much would just play himself or munch or <laughs> i do like how they did bring a lot of his self into the character which i thought was really he's one of my favorite characters i um somebody oh totally i i wish i'd like to see him i i don't know how his health is um I hear he's good. He's just retired, living happily in Paris. <laughs> I, I would like to see him. I would like yeah. to see him back for the five hundred the five hundredth episode. Speaking of which, um, 
as of June 3rd, um, there were, uh, there were, there's been 494 episodes of SVU. Mm-hmm. Um, it is fourth behind the Simpsons in the biggest number of episodes. Simpsons, <laughs> Simpsons, Simpsons has 706 episodes. And it's kind of wild with the Simpsons because I don't know who still watches it. And at the same time, a lot of people keep going back and quoting classic or often remembered episodes. So it's just, yeah. it is kind of one of those. It's like this one is still on. And yet so, people are going to always at least see the premiere because they're just hi- heavily hyped up, just like some of the other explosive shows like this week on NCIS. You know, it's just like. Well, and, let me let me ask you this. So who do you think is in second place for the most episodes? What show? Because, yeah. So, SVU is fourth. Simpsons is first. So I'm going to see if you can guess the second and third. Is it animated or is it live action? No, 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 no. They're the, the number two and number three. They're not animated. Hmm. So there's a second position and a third position. You have to fill in here. Is it NCIS? No, no, no. And we're, we're talking um, not even in the. Oh, so we're going back to Gunsmoke. Yeah, Rod. we're not even in the 80s, 90s. Yeah, this is before the 80s. So Gunsmoke. These two sh- yes, Gunsmoke is number two. Congratulations, ding, ding, ding. How about, <laughs> what's in, who's in third place, though? It's got to be Rawhide. No, it's not Rawhide. And actually, I was very surprised when I saw this. I would never have- Because Rawhide, I swear, lasted longer than Gunsmoke. Yeah, no, this is going to, this is going to, you're going to be like, huh? On this one. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to give it to you because I just never would have thought. It's Lassie. <laughs> Lassie. Lassie? Lassie, yeah. Lassie was on that long? 591 episodes. I thought they made more movies of Lassie than they did a show. Jesus. Are you sure that wasn't Benji? <laughs> uh, that could be it, too. I mean, they had the same formula. Dog. I mean, it, maybe I'm thinking of Old Yeller. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was neat. Simpsons, 706 episodes. Yeah. And Gunsmoke, 635. Jeez. And then fourth is um, for 494. We have S SUV as at fourth. Yeah, so that's pretty Did you cool. Just say SUV. <laughs> SUV. SVU. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> There's S- lots of kidnappings in SVU, SUVs on you this know, show. What, what's an alphabet? What's what's a number? What's a letter? Right. So, <laughs> but, yeah, me, I thought that was some pretty cool different trivia. So, um, did you know that the show was originally called Sex Crimes? I'm sure it was, and I mean, it is good that they kind of kept branching it out. It's like, hey, it can be any kind of victimization. We can have guys who are victims who've been harassed and are just now coming forward. They can be, it doesn't even have to involve molestation. It can involve just someone who's just been threatened in some way and really just traumatized. And like you say, I mean, it just keeps going in just atypical fashion and having a different identity by era you get sucked in and i even just nowadays there were plenty of times where i would have a sibling or a friend just put it on and i'd be like i'd read or watch this from the get-go you know it's like uh, whatever it's over i know thank god for dvr can we start this over please yeah right rehash and i'm even surprised what characters i would have thought are still on there like the the tech that does a lot of the auto tracing Morales has left his last episode was in the 2011 season. I would have thought he'd still be on <laughs> Yeah. It took like two seasons for him to actually get a name, <laughs> you know, other than, you know, get a tech in here. And 
uh, all the characters do have a big thing. You instantly recognize them in anything else, whether you see them on a Netflix show or uh, the newest, some other kind of just uh, very heartfelt award-winning drama or a sci-fi horror show. They they really they all have just lightning fast intensity, while also just getting in some wisecrack lines. I mean, there are some funny and dry humor in the show. Oh yeah. And, and I, I get annoyed when I see parodies of it because I can just tell who has seen it. Like that SNL parody where they appeared in was funny. But then there was plenty of other ones where it's just like, who's going to get raped this season? I'm like, oh, my God, you guys have not seen the show much. This is not the rape crisis show. This is just this is not what it, you know. And, it, and the thing is, is, is it's done so well for um, for victims. You know what what Mariska has done with her foundation. Um, and what the legislation has done for the rape kits that have been just backlogged all through the United States has done so much good for um, victims here in the United States um, that people who um, say things like that, they, they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, so much good has come out of this in the long run. And I mean, generally, when you ask fans of these, there really isn't any rivalry. There really isn't. There, there's some people who have just start even started getting into it because the show started crossing over with the Chicago franchise, you know, PD, Med, Justice, and Fire. It's like, and they even brought over, I liked how they tied it back over again by having uh, one of the attorneys be Peter Stone, who's, you know, related to, you know. Uh, yeah. It's the uh, Dick universe. It's just, they're all, mm -hmm. it, well, they just kind of, Oh, exactly. And, oh. and Moriarty, Michael Moriarty was such a key point of the main show. So that was just a good like tribute. It's like, hey, we embrace the whole universe. Every, like, I would not be surprised if Vincent D'Onofrio makes another special cameo because they already had Imes, you know, Catherine Herb's character being two episodes of SVU. So it's, and she's now working like as as also as a liaison for FBI. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have any other. It's just such a huge universe. And it's again in a mirror universe i you know as much as i think the average person can't stand giuliani or bloomberg i kind of liked how they kind of acknowledged some real life figures and occasionally had them appear as themselves on the show like al sharpton you know <laughs> so it's like even if they don't like it people like to have that um they like to they like the fact that it's something that they know they people like what they recognize you know and, yeah they even had joe biden appear in one yeah, and, and, like, and so yeah. they they go for that. Um, I think they would be wise to get Vincent D'Onofrio to come in. Um, having uh, having Chris Maloney come back has been ratings gold for them. Well, so. exactly, because like these actors, you know, some of them it made their career. Some of them they were already working, and this just took it to the next level. And so basically, then they could go. Dick Wolf always said, you know, it's like I will always allow. I mean, you're watching Babylon 5, but he kind of had the same modus operandi. He's like, always allow a trapdoor for which characters can escape and then come yeah. back naturally if the actor was does want to return. Because eventually, really, the I don't think Dick Wolf has ever overstepped. I think he has always found just the right kind of writers who, you know, were also writing for other shows like NYPD Blue. and. Unless you're a really mean showrunner, then you'll just and you don't like the actor, then you just kill him off. That's just, then you're... <laughs> yeah, and killing off did get to be a tired premise where it just seemed like writers were just tired of dealing with that, so they just would end it. And this is like, 
well, that was a beloved character. Now you really kind of fucked up the storyline. And I mean, it is kind of funny how the only time I feel like Dick Wolf has been out of bounds that is how he didn't think the Logan character was that fascinating. He's like, what are you talking about? But it, clearly he embraced it because he kept bringing Logan back afterwards. <laughs> it's like, uh, I think a lot of people like the Logan character on the original show. And I mean, if you had him on the show, then it would just be overwhelmingly awesome. But at the same time, it'd be too much. It's like, there's already enough awesome personas to go around. And really, I, it seemed like Stabler leaving was kind of like the only break in it. And it, I think that when you talk about Stabler leaving, I, I kind of consider the two law and order S SVUs. Okay. I kind of consider there's like SVU 1.0 and SVU 2.0. So there you go. You know, when we when we go from there, there's there are two different shows to me. Um, and I wish everyone would think about that more instead of just acting like, you know, it's only relying on these characters. Because, I mean, there's plenty of early episodes where, you know, Munch or Finn don't appear or Benson only appears in like one or two scenes and the rest is Stabler's journey. And it's like, yeah, it's like you got to have it's OK to just change a viewpoint each episode. That's what makes it avoid being formulaic you know <laughs> no yeah you have to you have to you have to love the episode based on the merit of just the episode not you know where it is or what season it is just on you need to base it just on the episode alone and it helped that i mean just so many of these other writers uh i mean warren lee and uh what's his name uh, <clears throat> uh neil barr had and Rick Eyed, you know, had all wrote and written for plenty of other shows as well as psychological thrillers and movies. So it's like, yeah, they're already in the right mindset for this kind of thing. And Ted Kotcheff, I mean, you can say what you want. He had done cat and mouse kind of thrillers like the original Rambo, but he had done mostly just TV from that point on, just done a lot of character drama dramas and then always in a thriller in the second act. So it couldn't have been a better cat picked casting crew that is definitely for sure and it seems like people who don't like this just get i don't know depressed too easily and it's like well someone's watching because even when it's depressing or too uh typical it's still able to hold your interest even an episode i might have found boring growing up is now interesting again so i guess it is definitely the star trek effect it's like there's some kind of resonance to every kind of layer of it and no, I mean, and you can rewatch an episode that you didn't like years ago and rewatch it again and say, you know, I, I kind of like that episode now. I mean, uh, yeah, I only saw the second part, but I understand the first part now and now it makes it even creepier or even more visceral. <laughs> you know, I found it funny. The highest rated episode for all of of the of Law and Order SVU was the episode 911, the one that. um Mariska won her Emmy for. Um, are you familiar with that one? Is that the one where she has to fi find the kidnapped girl? Yeah, that is. The uh, that's an excellent episode. She smiles finally at the end and is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is the number one rated episode. I, I guess I didn't think that that would be it. I was when I was kind of looking at that, I thought that was pretty. <laughs> yeah, um, that was the number one. The most most that they had on that one and uh number two was um one called scavenger it was in season six episode four are you familiar with that one i, I i've seen all the seasons but scavengers that was the one jeez <laughs> on a wild goose chase just like on the show 
It's for their um, trying to solve the puzzles and stuff. They're all go all through New York. Um, it's a serial killer. They're trying to taunt them. And, they're taunting all of them. Okay. And the guest star. Ooh. Okay. Guest star. Who was that? They uh, were. Doug. Was it Doug Hutchison? It was. He was very okay. So the episode was inspired by the BTK killer. Okay. I think yeah, it was by the BTK and um. I don't recall that episode being as fascinating, but it was definitely very exciting. It was definitely atypical. And when I looked at this top five for the highest ratings, it just none of these none of these titles just screamed out at me um, that it was any of my ones that really kind of. Um, one of my most one of my most favorite episodes was Fault, and that wasn't even listed in like the top highest rated for the top twenty five. Yeah, and some people can they can just name episodes like that off the get go, and I'm not that kind of guy. I'm more of a just the description. Is that the one with the you know, you know? Matt that's Stein. with Blue Diamond Phillips. Oh, okay, yeah, and I, I think that's a favorite of many people, and I think for whatever reason that wasn't as remembered until it got syndicated so it's like it, it, it does make you wonder how many of these are rated based on just how many tuned in versus how many people just rewatched it a lot over the years so it's like yeah i would love to be able to find like uh you know what the data would be on how many people have streamed a certain episode um because i'm yeah. sure people go back and watch their favorite episodes i i'm glad you brought me to that point because i do think it's great that hulu has embraced it you know because netflix was really lame how is like only seasons 13 through like whatever were there and i'm not even sure if they're on there anymore and but. that brings me to the fact of how i started watching svu i started watching svu with season 13 because netflix would only release season 13 and above so i could not get the story the backstory of elliot and olivia until way later i had to start on episode 13 so my first <laughs> my first real getting to know the characters of svu was with svu 2.0 totally and yeah. uh, i had always just seen it over the years and it just seemed like every once in a while someone would just nag about it and it's like no it's still going pretty strong whatever i'm seeing right here because Whatever's going on just is of mass importance. You just can't take your eyes off it. You just have to, you know, and even if it's not about uh, the, how invested you are with it, it still says a lot when a show can just kind of leap out at you and just kind of be very surreal. And it has, it has a, quite a bit of a cult following, um, especially if you are on Twitter. Twitter, um, Tumblr, Reddit yeah, yes, is all it, very active. And Very. Um, people I'm glad. Really, yes. Uh, Chris Maloney and and uh, Mariska Hargitay, they they really have a fun time teasing their fans. Both of them together, they 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 like to they really kind of play it up, you know. And it helps that a lot of these guys really are just wise asses. They're just really funny people in real life, and I think you kind of have to have that when you're a good dramatic person. I mean, Mariska's episode of inside the actor studio was good because you know it wasn't just a clip show it was also about how do you just become an actor and find your next good big thing and how she wanted to be like a soprano singer you know if she weren't an actress is like that was eye-opening it's like yeah all these people are very 
trained and they don't limit their talents to just one deal or one formula. <laughs> she is the queen of prime time. That is for sure. Oh, totally. I always thought she was a badass. And I, whenever anyone said we're, we got a lack of dramatic TV actors or action stars I'm, or it, or a female, I'm like, nope, <laughs> she's there. Always going to be there. Always going to be. I thought this was really interesting. Um, I went to YouTube and I watched a little bit of the Russian version of SVU. <laughs> that was really, really funny. So um, the Russian version of SVU, they bought the rights from Dick Wolf that they could use the same characters, the same everything. Right. Um, and they actually, yeah. So there is an Elliot and there's an Olivia with the same name in Russian, the same characters. They have the same theme song and everything. Um, and I know you could probably put this out later, but can you, can we play? I actually have the theme song. Can we play the theme song for the Russian? Let's do it. <laughs> put it up here. <laughs> I came prepared. I'm telling you. I can tell. You are awesome. <laughs> clipping clip here, clipping there, clipping, clipping everywhere. <laughs> jump around, jump around. Ooh, jump around, jump around. Stuff here. All right, let me go to. I sent it to my email. Get through all my spam. Constantly. Kind of reminds me how Renee Balser, head showrunner on Criminal Intent, worked with Dick Wolf to do a French show that was loosely connected to Law and Order that starred Jean Reno. And then, long story short, they got screwed over by all the other investing networks so the show only lasted one season but it was an awesome show and it Why was did actually, it one season do you think uh because basically the networks did not honor their agreement and they should have just made it more crystal clear in the writing in the in writing i mean the agreement but fun fact is law and order fans have been kind of rediscovering it because it was briefly on hulu and a killer a recurring killer from criminal intent was featured in there who may or may not be the same person or someone under an identity who's a copycat killer and it was awesome because it was played by the same actress and like okay and dick wolf was producer so i was like okay interesting connection <laughs> dick wolf must be a very rich man he totally is but at least he's not his last name isn't head <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've heard he's just a neat guy and i think it says a lot when you can be a very passionate guy who's got to start being a story editor and head writer on other shows and to just get his own franchise and just realize here's how the business works and here's how I can tell the networks what does work <laughs> and they can let me do what I want. <laughs> hey, are you ready? I am ready. These are the stories of the police and the oh, district attorneys who Hold represent on. the people. There we go. <laughs> isn't that awesome <laughs> that is great <laughs> I, I felt it's just like when watching certain cartoons in japan you know 
that are translated into Japanese or <laughs> just seeing other just commercials that have a international movie stars like only on the internet will you be able to find this much awesome. <laughs> so they did that in 2007, um, and that that did last for a couple of years, um, and it was pretty popular there for a while. And Two seasons, I, right? Um, I, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I, I guess so, but it did. I just it. I guess they needed to change their own. They had their own laws and stuff they had to, to go with. But I, I guess when I was doing my reading, though, that our our actual law and order SVU is in 230 territories. So it's pretty it does it does its own on its own around the world pretty well. Um, I mean, the Vatican totally. and, and a- Antarctica gets our American SVU. So can't and be you, doing can't, you can't fault it for when you see just kind of any kind of influence, you know, behind any show, even when you see, you know, people like David Simon, who, you know, did the crossovers with Law and Order and Homicide, but wasn't a fan of most procedurals. And it was like a lot of people just like us just generally like to see a bit of everything. It doesn't have to have the same tone or mode. I mean, and the show has its own unique identity by staying so focused and relentlessly paced and, like you say, I mean, it's uh, see, to have any other country want to do a version of your show is an honor. I mean, the fact that we adapted Homeland from an Israeli show, you know, it's like that the influence continues. It's like, and networks are looking for that, you know, it's like, just like how, I mean, it didn't, it wasn't always easy. I mean, like no one expected The Office to be a hit after it was just, you know, a rehash of a British mockumentary. And it's like any formula if it works and people understand it, they can reprise it. They can keep repeating it and it won't get old and they can keep challenging themselves in their own special way. And I think, uh, I, I have no doubt that, you know, if you've lasted three seasons as a Russian, uh, show imported from an American show, that's a cool accomplishment, you know? (laughs) I mean, it's just like how in India they did a, version of 24 and just now japan is doing a version of that and criminal minds i'm like jeez so there you go i mean it takes a while it has to get to a certain kind of appeal and certain businessmen are talking but it's like that that's still that's neat that someone can say hey your show rules i want our own version for our kind of audience in our language based on your gimmick and and, I, and who wouldn't? Of course, people people want to see their daily lives, you know, their lives portrayed with their own customs and everything. So I mean, I can get that definitely. Yeah, and I see so many people. They'll see an episode that they didn't think was as good, or where a guest star kind of overacted. I'm like, yeah, but it earned it at that point because you still were so drawn into it. And uh, they do a good job of what what escapes it from being, you know a really bad Lifetime movie is they really do a good job at just really just uh, texturing just every layer of it. You don't know if it'll even start out in a courtroom, if it'll be about a stalker versus someone with a mistaken identity. Sometimes, you know, they, I again. think a good, I think a really good classic example of that was uh, there was an episode where there was a story about um, the woman that her and her husband lived in the apartment upstairs and her husband was um, abusive and the older woman and her husband who was in a wheelchair lived downstairs and the woman was being beaten by the man upstairs and um, 
she ended up being killed by her husband and um olivia was trying to save the woman upstairs and um it ended up that the woman downstairs had her phone her fingerprints on the phone and it ended up her fingerprints were tied to a murder from something like 30 40 years prior i remember yeah it was a great episode yeah and that so in a lot of the episodes there's quite a few where you start with one thing in the first five minutes of the show and by the end of the show it's nowhere where it started so no and great about it and it didn't feel i see some people would even complain about this in the original if it didn't end the way they thought it would i'm like well you guys are just nitpickers who would hate how it ended anyway and i i sometimes even tell people it's like it's okay that that just ended that way. You know, it, it can't always be happy. It can't always be even. No. Yeah. And that's the it, thing is, is they're very good about that. There has been numerous, very sad endings. I mean, or just even in general, like you say, just an uncommon ending. I'm like, but it, if you look in retrospect, that's how it had to end. It's like, yeah. I mean, it would get messy like, if you drew it out and court it even one more time, one more scene. It's just like, you got to just end it there. I will say though, there's no way that that um, in in the real world nobody gets a court date that quick. <laughs> it just doesn't happen that way. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. You know, justice that quick. I mean, you're you're waiting years, to, you know. Yeah. With appeals and everything else, it's it's, it's it's quick quick justice on TV. That's that's for oh, sure. Oh, exactly. And that's why they kind of make up for is like two months later or you know fifty days later, and they. Uh, they'll hit you back right back in and like you say i mean years ago even with the flashback episodes i mean they did one recently with amaro he's like uh where we haven't seen him in almost you know 10 seasons now and they they showed a disturbing kid who went to jail and they showed yeah what happened with the kid the, finally the kid got out kid. yeah and attacks carisi with a pencil and is like I was fine with that episode. I just got annoyed that they could have at least had a pencil damage mark on Carisi's ear the following episode. <laughs> That'd be kind of be more, a little more realistic, I guess, more like that. I, I, I think, that, <laughs> think that maybe we, we, we monitor that stuff. I mean, I've been stabbed with a pencil before and it, you can get rid of it, but at the same time, I mean, he almost went for his ear. So I mean, well, I thought this was kind of funny. Um, I, I found this out. I don't know if you knew about this. Um, I didn't know that um, Mariska um, was seriously injured in an accident. Um, on I didn't either until a few days ago. Yeah. <laughs> 2009, um, she ended up having a collapsed lung um, from an injury um, for a failed stunt. Um, she had to end up having several surgeries to fix the issue. Um, ended oh, up being man. a really big problem for her. Uh, so I, I guess she does a lot of her own stunts, from what I gather. Whether she does that today, I don't. I, I don't know. Oh, definitely not. Older, so <laughs> I, I don't know what her insurance. Have you seen her lately? <laughs> she's behind a desk, so I'm pretty sure I, I that was... she's probably a desk job. They, 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 they've grounded her, I guess. But yeah, I guess it was a, a pretty bad. Um, Other than messing with the, you know, recurring serial killers and you know beating them within an inch of their life, I mean. Yeah, I think she pretty much is like, uh, no, not again. <laughs> My daughter said, Mom, if you're doing research for this, you should just look up to see how many times she's been kidnapped. And I was like, <laughs> oh, how many times she's been kidnapped? I don't think it's been that many times. It hasn't been that many. It's more like three times, like just 
I mean, it's well, Lewis. I think Lewis is the, is the one that kidnapped her the most. Right. And they fortunately didn't overdraw that. I know some people hated that, but I thought it was a good storyline because he was a notable villain in his own respect. It was and, good. And I thought her acting was so great. Um, yeah, that, that got her some more nominations. And I just like, there, there's something also to be said for how she kind of just starts off a whole uh, episode nowadays is like she will just have someone else just go in and just start talking down a suspect it's like let's get to negotiating because that's what we do best we listen to the problem we identify our pain we can identify with their pain and it's like that's how you start an episode or midway through it becomes a diehard dog day afternoon type scenario and it's like that's fine that, <laughs> but it can go even somewhere else because like you say it, it, it will often jettison into a whole different kind of loom and I think that's just what Law and Order got right because CSI, I mean, you know, it was always its own kind of comic book kind of storyline as a contrast, and it worked in that regard. You felt like they were a fun family of weird, atypical problem solvers who unrealistically, you know, you use DNA and it's solved within it, you know, 25 hours. But, and you know, Miami was its own, you know, MTV music video. But when it got to New York, and they were trying to be like all these kind of shows. That's where that CSI franchise for me just went downhill because it's just like that they could never get their third acts right. They would always end them in end anticlimactically, and this show never ended anticlimactically for me. I mean, have you seen similar shows made post SVU like uh, Rosalie and Isles or The Closer and Major Crimes? I've not seen either of those. Um, I, I think they definitely went to school. They saw what was really gelling with a lot of these shows. Have very convincing, you know, interrogations. Obviously, there's going to be a little suspension of disbelief. That's what you go in making any kind of show. But gel it to where it's like, with the closer, it was always an interesting predicament of, you know, whatever happens. I got to interrogate the person before, you know, the lawyer arrives and, uh, you know, hence the name. I closed the case and Rosalia and Isles, it needed some suspension of disbelief, but it had a similar kind of appeal when you had, you know, Angie Harmon from the original on there who has a similar kind of arc like Benson, where she's trying to put away her troubled past and become a better person as well as be a top cop. And um, I think a lot of the better shows definitely, if you take from this or Homicide, you're in good hands because you're going to just be able to emotionally resonate with your audience. Even The Wire, for instance, is able to appeal to even a bigger audience because it's able to bring in, like you say, social dilemmas with uh, some plausible uh, just character motivation and yeah, I mean, that I that mean, is. It's, cool. it, you have to find the perfect formula to make the show work. You have to have you have to have the, a good chemistry between the cast. Totally. I mean, you have to have talented writers. You have to have. I mean, it, it has to be a certain mark marker of combinations to make something work. And if you don't have all these things add up, well, then you're only going to get one season. So, and that's problem i think i'm having when trying to find a new show is I'm, I'm i'm a i'm a i'm a tv show snob i mean i yeah 
I, I don't mean to be, but there's just so these, much programming now. These newest um, sitcoms and sci-fi shows have already been predictably canceled like I knew they would be because they weren't promoted and they kind of just didn't have anything that just made you say, yeah, that'll last beyond, you know, three to seven episodes. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I it, tend not to, and I tend not to watch anything because I, I don't even want to invest myself in something that I may not, I may like, and then they're just going to cancel it. So I tend to. Yeah. It's a total still of everyone's I, I, time. I tend not to watch something or I'll, I'll wait, you know, seven or eight episodes and hear what people are saying and then I'll watch it. Um, totally. Sometimes I've, a lot of these shows, I've been waiting till they get to like three to five seasons, and then I'm like, okay, I will set aside time and see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> and, and what you're doing then at that point, you know, and then, and see, and that's just the thing is, you know, and, and it's, it's also really different when you're to watch a television show, to binge watch a TV show completely, like from one season one to season eight, all through like a, a month period, you know compared to watching a television show through eight years where you watched it every season, every week with commercials, you know, it, there's a big, is there's a, that's a big, that's a different experience with each other, you know? So I imagine that those are two different experiences. In oh, that, well, no. And that's, that is so true too. It's like to, uh, when you, cause I mean, this show does make good time of time elapsing and yet, time has been very kind to it because it wasn't it was again you know foreshadowing today's world and uh, there are plenty of shows where you will go back now and say i don't know why i like that back in the day it must have been just because it was just similar to the times that were going on you know or because it was one of the first to do this kind of formula and not everything can be expected to age well you know no, it, i i i used to love talking about a, a cop show an old cop show back in the day called hunter do you remember that cop show yeah yeah, yeah. It was one of my favorite shows when i was a kid um and i turned that on the other night on uh peacock <laughs> and i watched the first i loved dd mccall i mean i was 12 years old and all i wanted to do was be dd mccall when i grew she up she was I very wanted, inspirational yeah. i wanted to be a homicide detective i wanted to drive her red car and i wanted to have a gun just like her <laughs> but i'm telling mm. you i watched that episode that first episode they can't yeah. do the things they do now <laughs> No. <laughs> they can't treat the women that they treat like they treated her. I mean, I'm serious. The things they, they said and did, the things that they said to the I mean, they were rough. They were so rough with the with the with the perps and I mean it was just like wow, it was cringy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so some of those are definitely I mean and a lot of them, I mean, that show it's awesome, but it only really works, you know, as escapism. It doesn't really work as something where it's like, okay, there's some degree of, you know, attention to detail and trying to make it plausible to some extent. <laughs> it is, but I want it brings me around to the point that some of those first episodes in the first couple years of SVU um, are in the, you know, the late 90s, 99, 2000, mm -hmm. and some of their tactics would not fly. No. Some of the things that they they were doing. So, um, when you watch some of those first episodes, and it you, makes you wonder where they some of the language. To... Yeah, some of the language they use, and and some of the things that they do, and how they treat some of the people. 
um, would would be reminiscent of um, what they would not be considered politically correct today. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, they're just yeah, and I mean they'll sneak in some of it every once in a while. They'll have someone use a racial slur or sexual term, and because you know the show is on at ten, so sometimes yeah. they and they're they're, they're going to let it fly. The media, they don't care as long as there's nothing just lasting way too much time and just getting too gory. But yeah, I mean the tactics and the language. I mean they do kind of do a good job of illustrating. I mean the captain was an interesting choice because I mean he had been on the original show, kind of had a like it or hate it reputation. He only, which is why he was only like in the first three seasons. And to bring him back here, he was just so evolved, both the actor and the character, just way better versed there. It's like okay. So he's had his share of, you know, tough guy detectives and he does actually care for them. And the minute he absolutely can't control them, he will just say, okay, you are confined to your house. You know, you cannot come in, you know, yeah, you're just too close to this case. And it's like, they knew how to dramatize it without just doing the billionth. Okay. A cop is beating a suspect within an inch of their life. Uh, This doesn't seem professional. And don't get me wrong. There is plenty of unprofessional stuff that's happened for years. But you still got to have some degree of uh, this is on video surveillance. So, no, you can't say that to them. <laughs> well, that's what all the cop shows did back in the day um, is, you know, they would that's how they got their confessions. They would rough up the perp or they would, you know, do this. And that's what it would do. And that's part of the uh, the problem, because I can remember right after everything happened with um, the riots that we had with uh, yeah. George Floyd, they there was articles everywhere that they were going to cancel Benson. They were going to cancel, you know, they were, they wanted SVU canceled. They wanted all the cop mm-hmm. shows canceled. And um, I was scared there for a bit that maybe this was going to happen. Um, and they they and the biggest thing, and then they then they were going to bring Christopher Maloney back. And I remember that they were all talking about um, how you know Stabler had such a bad attitude and he was rough and. Now, a lot of people didn't, you know, didn't, didn't like Stabler because he was of his attitude and how he, you know. He kinda, really did vary by crowd. Some people liked him just because he was handsome. Other people just liked him because, or d- just liked to love to hate him because he was, again, always arguing with Finn or Munch. <laughs> yeah, and, and some people just thought that he was just a bad cop because of his temper. So it was, some of it, you know, was kind of controversial. And so when they brought him back, during this time, um, it was probably kind of a, it kind of probably put a bit of a catch in their plans, you know, to bring him back and not to have him. I remember when they brought out the scenario of Stabler coming back, they used the word redemption a lot because um, they, I, I'm sure that they probably had to really backtrack to make sure that he was not going to. Oh yeah. Even doing a total profile of every person he's killed, which is pretty limited. It's like seven or something so far. And it's like, yeah, but you know, two were accidents. One was legit and one was out of line and custom, you know, a suspension. It's like, and good writers do that. Good people, you know, it's kind of like on criminal minds when you see the characters, you know, working with each other and you're like, you're not profiling me, are you? It's like, but that's exactly it. The writers profile their own profilers. <laughs> um, like you say, I mean, there were some shows that were out of whack where it's like, okay. Uh, I mean, like, the Chicago franchise was pretty straight up because Chicago by default has always had a history of cops who by default of forcing confessions has had so many people try and just donate to colleges, campuses. And it kind of shadows other wrongdoings in real life. You know, it's like uh, where it's like 
that's just it. I mean, that that show was echoing a lot of resentment that was happening still to the city to today. And it, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure you saw the article about how Dick Wolf fired one of those writers of Chicago franchise. I During- think it did. He also is, I, and I saw the article where he fired the original showrunner of organized crime for some comments that he made. Oh, I thought Olmstead just wanted to go his own way, but I could have been wrong. But yeah, I think Craig Gore was the writer he fired because Gore was saying, I will light these rioters up. And that was yeah. enough for him to say, okay. Out. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even saying thank you for writing 40 plus episodes. Our show is not promoting violence. We are just entertainment with some social discussion. We're, philosoph- we're a philosophical show. We are not, you know, see, you know, we are not an exploitation show, you know, it's like, and some people going in, it seems like they've either haven't seen too many movies or show because they'll like see part of an episode and they feel like they're watching a really bad, you know, B action horror movie. And I have to say, I don't know where your head is, but that's not what this show is at all. (laughs) This is very responsible when it's talking about some of the material and some people just can't get their head around it. They just think, ah, but it's just, you know, the rape and kill hour. I'm like, no, that's not what it is at all. <laughs> this is a very careful show. No, it's yeah, not. And, and it's, it's very, um, it, it's not, no, it, you know, it's, it, it is a lot different than the Chicago shows. The Chicago shows have a lot more personal um, stuff. A lot more personal. Their formula is definitely more like Kill Street Blues, which Dick Wolf started off as, you know, a story editor on, which makes sense. And, they kind of go even more. They even have the same cinematographer as The Shield, so that's another predicament. That show, when anyone watching that knew it had a very terrible person as the lead person, it was much like no different than Breaking Bad or The Sopranos. But like you say, you sometimes got to remind people who just seem to always feel like some movie or show is has can't be anything other than a work of entertainment it must have some kind of uh you know agenda and it's like long order is just showing you again just another version of the original show and uh fictionalized account based on again real life stuff and it's rewarding drama so that's why it's been around here this long to each his own not everybody is gonna like the same show now i watch I watched Criminal. I binge watched Criminal Minds. Um, a lot of fun. It did, but I had to take a break uh, for a while. I do it, too. It, it was too much. It was too. There was. There was. Sometimes there was too much violence, and I know that sounds. But uh, sometimes it was too much, and I had to like take a break for a little there while. There was one that was so psychologically scarring for me. I literally had to take a month off of watching the show. I was just like, okay, good show, but even I have my breaking point. I, I'm I'm tapping out. You know. <laughs> I mean, Point where some things will just get you a little down, you know. It's just like, wow, yeah. it's just too much. Oh, totally. And it is just, you know, the the thing with you know SVU, it they don't, and I think that that's why it's it it's so popular is because they they leave you wanting a little bit more of that personal stuff with with right. the character, you know. And it's just right. It knows when to cut off to where you can fill in the blanks and you feel still rewarded, but. It's again, but we it's want, the food that keeps going. We want so much more. Um, so much and, I, more. and I don't know where you stand, but there are so many people out there that are just rooting for Olivia and Elliot to just finally just 
become a couple. Where do you stand on that? <laughs> and you better see, answer that very carefully. I know. I got to say, uh, it's kind of inevitable. And at the same time, I like how they didn't, they avoided having it be just them as a couple. This was always just, okay, we, we respect one another, and yet we kind of have a love-hate relationship going on. It's like, it does make you wonder how they will proceed because it's like this kind of brings us on a perfect segue to organized crime. Cause I mean, again, Staler was long overdue to come back. And then the minute they noted how every season he will take down an organized crime affiliate in a way more plausible way and how it's with the times he yeah. has to play by the rules. He breaks just a single rule and he is out of here and ha having him be compromised by, you know, taking down the mob affiliates who actually killed his wife. And it's like, it kind of made sense because Vincent had always kind of been loose friends with his wife, Kathy, even saving him that one time. And they did a good job of just always kind of illustrating how she does. Her storyline is way past due. We yeah. ne he needs to be spending more time with his kids this time and actually be a good father this time. <laughs> Make up for, yeah. Did you did you watch the organized crime episodes yet? Oh yeah, I'm all cut up. Yeah, you're all cut up now. Did you did you see Stabler did, when Stabler told Olivia that he loved her? Correct. And how did I'm, you how did you take that as? It was kind of a long time coming because I mean he kind of yeah remember he was acting kind of shaky when he first saw her again for the for the first time in many years and then kind of acting like you know. Hey, Finn, you know, we got off on a bat. We left on a bad note. And Finn's like, don't worry about it. And it did become, they did kind of do little subtle ways of just foreshadowing. He's like, we are going to keep, you know, just showing him repairing all the wrongs in his world <laughs> from past. And I'm really excited that Ellen Burson is joining the cast as his, as his mother, Bernadette. That was like, right? Because I, I think. think that's cool. I, I she, think that's wonderful. Yes. Because she played him like in an episode years ago, right? Yeah, that um, it was that episode where was it Maureen that was had the schizophrenia was diagnosed with that? Right. And I mean, that was part of what he is. And he kept walking away from because he had a tough guy cop dad who drank too much. And, you know, he had a Catholic upbringing. And so it's just interesting how he's really had to kind of make his own identity. He always kind of came in as kind of a reserved, you know, just kind of old school kind of guy who just wanted to be the nicest possible dude in the room, but was still going to get raunchy if, again, someone was being tough with him and he wasn't going to back down and give in. <laughs> so Organized I think it was... crime has time, has a lot more time for personal stuff like Chicago does, which I think is really kind of unique. It's very different um, as far as the, the way that organized crime does their stories. Right. We don't, and, we don't have that. Um, and nothing is clear cut. Like, uh, what did you think about how, you know, he's working with Sergeant Bell and how her team is compromised when, you know, you know, she's open about her sexuality and her girlfriend makes a big deal with how, you know, the police uh, arrested a family member is like, and then that compromises half the team to where they're like, well, nothing personal stable, but because she's your sergeant, we're not going to support you. And it's like that. It, good though i mean it, it was it's it's good i mean it's all kind of adding up to where it needs to be and 
and I really give just such credit to Eileen, the showrunner, um, who is just knows what we need, and and she just is teasing us. I mean, um, she had already done. I mean, been the main showrunner on The L Word, and is like, you don't. Not everyone... only that, you know that she is credited for turning the book The Handmaid's Tale into the success of the TV show that it is today. Right. She worked with Maloney on that. So there's the connection. <laughs> I mean, there you go. Um, you know, as far as Elliot and Olivia go, I I think that, yes, I, I think I think the chemistry between them, the characters is just amazing. I think that they have this sexual chemistry. Um, but I think that um, they should just ride that sucker to the end because I think it's ratings gold. I think that if they act on it, I think that it would just... It'd be too soon. It'd be too soon. I just think they need to just tease it all the way to the end. I, I think that doing anything with it, uh, I, I remember that. Do you, do you ever, do you watch the show Blue Bloods? I do. And it's uh, kind of, it's kind of more my, of a family show. It but. is. And one of my favorite characters were Jamie and Eddie, that uh, cop team there. And, you know, as soon as they, uh, they they got married or whatever, I lost interest. I haven't watched the show since. So I kind of, that's kind of where I fall onto that line is don't, yeah, let's just keep it interesting and keep the spark there. So right. I guess I, I'd like them to just kind of just don't, you know, don't just let them just keep doing what they're doing. You know, don't, don't, don't just be in such a rush <laughs> to do that. I, I guess I'd be interesting to see. I will have to wait to season two. If they, they kind of leaving everything up in the air. They 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 keep leading it though, with. Uh, and I mean, even when she he first came back, he kind of wanted to embrace her. He wanted to even just say, "Let me just go in that room." And she just, I loved how she just instantly stood in her ground, and he instantly, you know, connected the dots. She's a different person, just like me. I'm not the only guy who's changed because she kind of brings out the best in him. And so, I think in many ways, she kind of. Well, and they know they can't be around each other because they're two different personas and yet again the appeal the attractiveness with the good at heart through the rough edges just still shines to them and it's just kind of interesting how it you know the show did a good job the spinoff did a wonderful job of just also illustrating how again he will do everything to not put you in harm's way he doesn't know how to say it because they also keep reminding you he's like i was a marine i was a you know reserved kind of guy and you know, the, sh the initially the job kind of brought out the best and the worst in me. And now, you know, I can't have any bads. I can't have any wrongs that come out. And, and if I involve you in this task force, he's going to instantly target you, you know, any of these crime lords. And that brings me to the next point. How do you think about the season one villain that Dylan McDermott plays? Dylan McDermott, he, he did a wonderful job. I mean, he really, really did a good job. I, I think I, I really hope we see a lot more of him this fall. I know that we can't. I know that his character can't go on forever. Right. And I mean, I, I like how they're just going to have him be in the background, just kind of like I predicted, because, I mean, he had to. It would have been just too much if he just was always just getting away with stuff. It's like, no, he's got to be in some kind of crime unit, kind of overseeing someone else from afar and just teasing them, you know? 
Um, I know that there also are a lot of conspiracy theories going on <laughs> with uh, Criminal Minds right now. Um, not Criminal Minds, sorry, with organized crime. Um, <laughs> it's a different kind of crime. Yeah, now we're going. We got so many crime shows that were, my head's all full of these crime shows. So the biggest one that I'm seeing right now is everybody, everybody thinks that um, Eli uh, does not look enough. The character that they picked for Eli does not look enough like Elliot. And so there's all these conspiracy theories going around that. Oh my that, God. Yeah, that Eli is not Elliot's son. Can, that's gonna end can, up being. Yeah, that's gonna. He can end look up, like his mother. <laughs> oh right. So um, that that's one of the conspiracy theories. So I, I it's it's really fun to get on Twitter and to see all the the ones that pop out, all these different ones. So it makes you wonder which writers are looking at that and getting inspiration and saying, I know, hey, you and, jump and on I board and be a writer. Fun. <laughs> yeah, I go to the the sites and I, I see people posting things, and I wonder if we'll see that <laughs> next season. It does season. make me wish. Well, it doesn't in some ways because I know it could have been abused for far worse years ago. But it does make me wonder how many people could have used social media to make a better show back in the day. It's like, oh wow, fans got that impression. I never knew. It's like, well, you weren't even reading reviews, so if you just got on social media and had a Q and A with some know. fans. Ratings are down. Ratings are down. Check out Twitter. I'm. I, check out MySpace back then. Ratings are down. Check out MySpace. Totally. Back, back in the day. MySpace, man. Yeah. Now, now I'm really aging myself. MySpace. Yeah. Um, but I think that it'll be. I think it, it should be. I'm glad that we're gonna have a full season. I think that it'll it'll be a great season. I would. I I think that there's a little bit of a a bit of a frustration with um Warren Litt because um he's not interested in really doing anything with Chris Maloney. I think there's a little bit of bad blood still between those two. I wouldn't doubt it. And I'm sure that's why, you know, they tried to get Matt Olmstead on to be the showrunner and I I think that's why is like because the it, and I mean, Warren's just the main showrunner. He's just trying to make SVU gel as a whole, and he's already got enough on his plate trying to figure out Carisi's storyline, uh, you know, Gray's storyline, and then, you know, it's finally cool to finally see Finn considering getting married and just showing how close he was is with the team as a whole. Yes, and like, I do love um, the actress that played uh, Phoebe, Jennifer. Yeah. Her last name. Um, Esposito, yeah. Yes, I, I, I loved watching her on Blue Bloods when she was in the first and, season. And good thing that she's now in a show where she's actually honored, because the whole yeah. Blue Bloods exit was total bullshit. It's like, oh, it, just cast her. I'm like, no. <laughs> just got rid of And you know what? Her and um, Johnny Wahlberg had such great chemistry, and they just... They fucked just, it up. Yeah, yeah. They, they completely ruined that. I mean... I mean, Blue Bloods... Okay. It can all be enjoyed. Every kind of show can be all enjoyed. It's just in a different way. Like, just like I've been doing the CSI and Law and Order Parallels, is like, Blue Bloods is fine if you want a very... Oh, it is. I, I go from, I you know, and I'm a very independent person when it comes to politics, but I always say that on one night I'm on the liberal train, and then the next night I take the conservative train over. you <laughs> right. I do. Like, everybody just gets solved way too easily it's like it's why, do, why doesn't everybody just put away their politics from one night and let's just enjoy the show right enjoy the uh, show you can enjoy it and uh my my issue is blue bloods it could go way deeper and there are times where it's like 
But at the same time, it's okay to have a family show that it talks is. about real life issues. There's a family show, but sometimes it's nice to do something deep and dark. And sometimes it's nice to do something light. Right. And or something wacky that happens to be kind of parodies to some of these shows like Psych. So it's like, yeah, that's fine too. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all sorts of things that you can do. It's just, and that's another one I haven't seen yet either, by the way. Psych. Oh, you, you will binge watch the shit out of it. And when we do the community chat, it's kind of even fun just seeing how, how many got into it when it was on versus when it was a streaming hit. And it, it, I think that's just it. Dick Wolf eventually realized he had to rely somewhat on streaming. He's like, okay, so I'll let Hulu and company do whatever they want with this view, but the rest I'm licensing to certain channels again. You know, well, That's how you make the money. I mean, you got to keep yeah. the money in your pockets. Now, mm-hmm. I have another cop show that I absolutely adored. Adore. Adored. Adored. Past tense. <laughs> adored, but I still adore. I will never forgive them for killing off the main character. <gasps> you know who? what show it is? I don't. Cop show. It was on USA. Uh, there's a bunch of them on USA. This is a good one. But... It was very sexy, very sexy show. Uh, well, uh, last I checked, uh, in plain sight, escape, <laughs> main gals escape with their lives. So who could it be? <laughs> it was in, this was in the early '90s. I'll give you that too. Uh, '90s USA Network cop show. Cop show, yeah. '90s. '90s. <laughs> I'm never gonna get it. And yeah, I'm talking about a male female cop team. Pacific Blue? No, but I will Soap go ahead. Stockings. Silk stockings. <laughs> there ding, you ding, go. Ding, ding. Soap opera. I always guffaw when I see a soap opera actor appear in a mainstream role. I'm like, well, there <laughs> okay. they are. I had some chemistry, but I'm going to tell you, I also went back and watched an episode, and I was, had so much secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> watching that thing i was just like oh my gosh what was i thinking but i was in my 20s so i mean you know i was okay but at the time it was just like i loved that show fuck why did it yeah and it it's was... always we we previously were doing an episode on new york undercover and that was another dickwood production that totally got fudged over by the powers that be it could have totally made some dvd rental money and just it's such a complicated machine. It was a broken machine to begin with, with such a positive influence with viewers and everything. And like you say, there's just always those shows that the powers that be, I mean, it took years for that show to even come out on some kind of streaming or physical media is like, there's just always for the longest time, these TV networks just wanted to just replay what's ever in the can. It's like, some of us just want to watch it in our alone time, you know, not just the bullshit where, you rent a VHS tape with two random episodes, you know, on one tape, you know, it's like, we want the whole slice of pie that we can just put on play on a disc. Okay. But you know what the best of all is the best cop ship of all cop rock. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Let's go experimenting with a musical. And it's like, yeah, I don't know what you're thinking, but. At least you can say you tried. <laughs> hey, 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 now, hold on now. It was ranked on TV Guide as number eight on the list of 50 worst TV shows of all time. <laughs> yeah. Accomplishment. 
Who was in that? Anybody familiar? Uh, uh, Lieutenant Fancy I'm, himself from NYPD Blue was in there. So. I'm looking at the, the list Ronnie here. Ronnie Cox was like the captain or some yeah, shit. Yeah, Brock Cox was, yep. Oh, yep. God. Oh, I man. see what they were going for. It's just, oh, boy, that was rough. <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> uh, list, of, list of our top 20. Even that <laughs> Jimmy Smith appears as L.A. Law characters. Like, what are they thinking? Uh, <laughs> Gosh, that's that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> what did that even did it did, did it even last? Oh, eleven they got eleven episodes out of that, huh? Wow. And then, and made it, and then they finally released it on DVD because there were some fans of it. I'm like, oh, really? It's a cult. It, I'm, it's a cult following. I'm sure that it will be, you know, that it'll be one of those cult things that live forever. I'm just glad Botchko didn't lose his power as a TV producer. He should have had that card taken away. <laughs> with yeah, that I guess. And Dick Wolf actually did have some amusing stuff to say when that guy passed away. He's like, uh, I worked for him in the final season of Hill Street Blues when he got fired. He could be prickly and demanding, but was overall a very nice guy who I actually knew growing up because we were in the same neighborhood. And it's so funny. is like on Boshko's last day, <laughs> he's like, Hey, Dick, you're doing a good job. Keep making me money. <laughs> he just said to him as he's exiting stage right. <laughs> wow. But I do like Botsko. I've never heard any bad story about him. He always looked out for his various cast and crew. He would even encourage his growing writers and producers. He's like, you guys, you're kicking ass on the staff. You got to go and be your own thing. But I'll always keep a seat open if your career doesn't pan out the way you want it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, so good to have some kind of nurturing guy as opposed to well your last movie sucks so fuck you <laughs> he had some good shows too he had, he did uh, he did la law Hill Street david e. hauser i mean so there you go he helped launch the career of david e kelly who went on to do his own thing with the practice and chicago hope so yeah <laughs> quite a few he was really good too oh totally we're gonna even cover those guys <laughs> wow so um, talented people well and it's a shame that a lot of people just seem to just think oh the t they've done even done some underappreciated movies that have come around like kelly did some cult comedies and uh you know wolf started out doing movies and then realized yeah i could be making more creative energy and money just working in on the small screen and being the head of my show and setting my own rules and i think it does say a lot to it, it takes a lot to just again iron the whole machine and then also just tell people you know we're not going to play around like he would always have that joke we only hire good actors and obviously there's some actors that have gone on to be kind of infamous actors but on whatever episodes they're on of the show they're you know their heels are locked and they're playing ball with whatever the, you know and i remember elizabeth rom even said when she first joined thou uh jerry orbeck would joke to everyone you get two takes kids kid and that's it <laughs> oh to get it right yeah it's like you know your lines you know what you're supposed to say and you're a broadway performer most of the time so you know lock and load <laughs> let's let's work let me ask you this how many more seasons do you think we'll get of svu i am wondering you know i think it would be he's hinted at before that he wouldn't mind having vincent or someone else make a cameo on some of his FBI shows, but he seems like he hasn't, he's kind of just comfortable having them just got those guys have their own identity. That's already entertaining in its own way. So, I mean, 
I could definitely see them saying, okay, you know, 24 seasons, that is good. We don't need to do any more. But if they want to go to 30, go for it. I mean, fuck it. You know, it'll always be around in some capacity. It'll always be referenced. And they could even end the show and just have the characters appear again on one of the Chicago shows later on. It's it's fine. It really is. <laughs> if you want them to all step down and Finn gets recruited by the Chicago guys to be part of their vice squad, that'd be funny <laughs> and awesome. But yeah, I mean. Everybody it, that eventually Mariska Hartay will go over and be on organized crime, even if it's just a part-time basis of some sort. That'd be fine too. I mean, that I could totally see that where they just say, okay, you know, SVU, we told as many stories as we want to. Let's just focus on organized crime. Let's <laughs> talk about or, all the evils of the or, world. Or, you know, she may just want to, she may just want to retire. I mean, playing, you know, how many years, the same character. I mean, she just may deserve a break. And she's married to the one guy who's like the recurring district attorney, often on the opposing side. I mean, I could see her even just, she's been doing a lot of directing Kind of much like how Rocky Carroll, who plays director Vance on NCIS, has been directing a lot of NCIS lately. I could totally see her just say, I'm going to start directing a lot of independent movies and I'll just pull a Hitchcock and make a cameo in the movie, you know? Yeah, I mean, she can do anything. When you've done all that, you, you basically you've written your own dance card and you can. I mean, she was already pretty underrated on a lot of other shows. It's just we can't find them anywhere because they weren't commercially released or they only occasionally aired. And so it's like. If anything, everyone remembers her from a few movie bit parts and, uh, like you say, just, like, shows where she just killed it as, like, a guest star appearance. I mean, like you say, she could end the show now, and she could pop up right back up on some other hit ABC, NBC drama, even a Fox or CBS show, and just kill it in a scene stalling role and probably get another Emmy nub. So, I mean, yeah. Totally cool with that. I mean... If it's 24 seasons, that's fine by me. End it there and just have her appear once a season on Organized Crime. And I'm just glad that all these actors are able to do their own deal. And I mean, we were talking about Belzer earlier. I mean, it's kind of cool enough how, you know, he was on the show as long as he was while still appearing at some comedy roasts and uh, doing his own thing. And, you know, I I can't go a day without seeing Ice-T in a uh car windshield insurance commercial (laughs) (laughs) or those ads with stone he's got he's got something in everything he's yeah well that's just it that these guys are summoned everything they can just appear everywhere and you will instantly recognize them and i mean even before maloney was already part of you know the oz saga and there's plenty of people who knew him just from wet hot american summer franchise both the movie and the show so it's like they all have different identities and they all own in every kind of role they're in. So it's like, yeah, I mean, if you want to do the billionth munch cameo, just have him show up on something else that Tom Fontana or David Simon are producing or that Dick Wolf is involved with do that. Um, it probably won't happen. Cause I think, yeah, Bilzer is happily retired at age like 80 something now. I think he's oh, almost. Uh, I remember the last time that he um, guest starred uh, on an episode, I think, he he his hair was white i mean he was really at age quite a bit yeah because i mean he still had some brown hair when he did the hysterical cameos on arrested development as the character munch and it was great when he initially left because they had clark johnson who's a good director in his own right on some of these shows we talked about uh you know cameo as his character lewis who had been 
detective partners with him on homicide and then they even showed footage from his homicide episode so it was like okay that's great <laughs> now is it is it richard belzer that he is cousins with um the fawns i didn't know that but i wouldn't doubt yeah. it because you yeah. heard it that would make sense because he was in night shift and rest development with henry winkler and yeah, ron howard so there you go yeah. If I'm, if I'm correct about that, I believe they're first cousins. Henry Winkler and Rod and Richard Belzer are first cousins. They they kind of look a little bit alike. Yeah, you definitely see it with some of the hair, uh, especially in earlier days. But yeah, it's it's subtle. And I mean, I'll buy it if someone's a cousin of someone because they don't, you know, you're a cousin. You're not necessarily going to have the same attitude or mentality or even persona. It's just. I got to see a little bit of traits in there. Like, do you have similar eyes or, you know, and so, yeah, the hair is definitely a good giveaway. Um, where do you think, um, what other kind of show is going to try and take this place? Or are they just going to say, screw it? You know, <laughs> the, the best has been taken away from us. You know? <laughs> like a new show? With, uh, with uh, oh, just, just, just in general is like, how will someone try and change the cops and robbers game or, you know, victim confession drama or you know, uh, I think that I, I honestly I think that people like television drama because that's what it is. It's a drama. They 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 like to have the suspense and and they 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 like the format of of cop shows. And so if if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So once Law and Order SVU is gone. Uh, a, a new cop show is going to have to have some sort of the same format in the same re retrospect, you know? Yeah. It, it needs to have some sort of that combination that makes it popular again. And I don't know where, what we have on still for, for other than NCIS. I mean, criminal minds already ended after 15 years. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I don't know if we have anything new and upcoming that, if organized crime just wants to take its place for five more years, I'm fine with that. I know they're trying to blend it in with SVU, but like you say, I think that's just a maybe, especially if you say Warren Leake and Maloney just weren't crazy about how he initially exited. So I think, like you say, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'd even be cool if they just did some other kind of hit show that just, it could just be an atypical kind of mystery. It doesn't even necessarily need to involve cops or gangsters. It could even involve just therapists or, you know, just some other crime lab people because like you say it's just getting i think we're just so spoiled and we've done so I, many of these i don't think stuff. they're doing a lot of cop shows now just because of the climate of of things going on right now and I, everything is right so they don't want to i mean organized crime had been in the works for a year so they they really didn't didn't really want to scratch that or you know scrap that because they scratched hate crimes because i guess they figured it's just would it wouldn't be a ratings hit it would already they were they were ready for that they had they had announced it that it was mm -hmm. going to be a three hour kind of a a way to go and um and they just came back and said nope we're not doing it Changed right. your mind. and that was kind of a shock <laughs> i mean everybody was ready for that to happen same i just figured well okay i mean we already got enough as it is. I mean, we can just let it soak in and let the powers that be. I mean, they can come up with something innovative. And again, it doesn't have to be PC. And at the same time, it also needs to be some kind of relatable and just not feel sugarcoated. And if it is sugarcoated, be aware that it is sugarcoated. You know, it's just be 
be you, you know, be your identity. Like Bosch has still been able to be a ratings hit because, you know, those were popular books, you know, prior to that and suspenseful and very noirish. So it had its own kind of a identity. It was kind of like a modern day kind of Chinatown meets the wire kind of, you know, <laughs> only in LA. And is Hawaii five O still on? Uh, already done after 10 seasons. That, that 10 seasons went quick on that one. Blue Bloods, I know, got renewed unexpectedly. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I thought it was is, already done. Is, Long, is Longmire still on? Unfortunately not, but I'd love to do an episode with you because <laughs> I think that's another one which it was a ratings hit and the network hated it and canceled it and because they wanted more reality TV and it just found its second life on Netflix and Netflix just gave it three more years. <laughs> I mean, talk about second chances is like uh, every year I find out someone who's been meaning to get into that or uh, just now saw it. And I'm like, great. Cause I saw part of it when it was on and I couldn't keep up with it, but it was good. It was really excellent. And now, you know, I finished it a few years ago and it's like, I, I want more. Everyone wants another, like a reunion movie. <laughs> that's the thing is what they do is they, they don't have faith in these shows and then they, they cancel them and then they, they, they shuffle them off to Netflix and then, all of these new people discover these wonderful shows and then they want more. Mm-hmm. And that's and what happens. Um, is Manifest, they're, they're calling that a cop show. Is, is that, would you consider that a cop show? I would definitely not call it. I'd call it a sci-fi mystery. I mean. Yeah, they have that listed under a cop show. So I, it's very interesting. I guess because one character was a cop? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like calling... Sci-fi slash cop show? Different. I mean, high five at the end of the day, say what you will, that was just a stunt extravaganza. That was just meant to be a simple silliness. That wasn't meant to be, you know, They had else. a show called Second Chance that we only had a couple of episodes for. I had friends who were extras in it, and I my, saw the pilot. Uh, my uncle was in it. Um, Philip Baker nice. Hall is my uncle, and he was, no. yeah, Philip, yeah, Uncle Phil um, was, he played the uh, main character as when he was an old guy. Oh, nice. Yeah, so. Congrats yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it, he was kind of bummed, <laughs> but, you know, but Uncle Phil's getting really old, <laughs> so he. Hey. He's yeah. just a damn good actor. Um, that's a cool yeah. connection. <laughs> yeah, he's um he's he's been in everything. So um uh yeah, he's my grandma's um cousin. Nice, very nice. Um what else do they have in here? Let's see. You can delete that. That was just a name drop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like going through this now. Now we're just talking. <laughs> oh no, that's fine. <laughs> This is just interesting looking at the, oh, Knight Rider. <laughs> the Hasselhoff. They're not rebooting it again, are they? <laughs> no, it's just there. Well, so I think we've answered our question is that I, it's its own form of identity. It's going to be a while before anyone comes up with any kind of thing. And again, given the times, this is like you want something that also doesn't feel false and that, you know, doesn't feel it like would, it's one-sided. It would right now for anybody to actually try to start a successful except except for except for organized crime organized crime is kind of yeah. grand in. it really other is than, think about other, it other than organized crime and bosch i don't think it's happening it's yeah like, i think they're gonna wait they, they can't and bosch much like power 
had different sides to it. It had it showed you the legal side of it. It you know, even the closer major crimes. I mean, those were going on when we were first hearing about wrongful arrests and everything, and before neo Nazis were out of control. And it's like, but that's just it. I mean, that that show was also a comedy and a drama and. I think that's just it. You got to be able to have just kind of just a multicast, and you got to have. You also got to just bring a little something new to the formula. You can't just do the billionth. You know, I got assaulted, or uh, my bank got robbed, or I'm a cop on the edge about to break. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, these were already sensitive topics, and it's just we kind of ignored the last thirty years of any real life wrongdoings. It's like, well. Okay, so now that this uh, time is really precious and everything, we got to do some other kind of cool thing. You could definitely do something else, kind of like a 24 formula, just have someone in a race against time stopping terrorism. That seems to be the best option now. <laughs> that was that would that would work. We kind of had that now with the FBI shows. They're definitely channeling a lot of 24 and criminal minds. Just stop a madman, stop a serial arsonist, or take down a crooked governor who has ties to, you know, some weapons trading. <laughs> they were also talking, I thought they were talking at some time about doing, bringing back criminal minds again. I thought there was some. I did see that as like, they want to do it again, but they got to just figure out how to make it work. Cause I mean, I know the actors definitely much like law and order do want to do their own kind of sitcom appearances and indie films, and then just kind of come back and do this and, you know, on a, when everyone has time so it, it, it seemed like it might be part of a paramount plus like special so it'd be interesting i mean i'm fine if they only bring back dr reed i've had so many people who gave that show up because they're like oh Batinkin's not on it anymore i don't like matagna i'm like well i always kind of considered prentice and hodge to be kind of and even morgan to be the main characters so what the fuck <laughs> but yeah dr then, reed was and garcia yeah. were the main ones and i mean it's okay to not have the main guy be in every episode, but that's just it. I think, like you say, there's, we're just still getting too many of those narrow-minded guys who is like, if that one person leaves, I'm done with this show. I'm like, well, good luck, because there's going to be a lot of changes along the way. <laughs> now, we've been talking about dramas for cop shows all this time, but we haven't even, we didn't even touch on any of the comedies that were cop shows so uh, ask other than barney miller it's kind of hard <laughs> yeah i mean there's all these little comedy shows i mean you've got barney miller um you've got Monk, Psych, and this is like yeah what about uh, how about brooklyn 99 yeah that's another one and that's just it you don't even you don't even realize it's cops misbehaving because it's just filmed so much like the office and exactly. Park. <laughs> uh here's one reno 911 Oh, there you go. And see, that's another one that could get away with it because, you know, you know instantly this is like Grand Theft Auto as a comedy. <laughs> this is just people yeah. goofing off. And I mean, yeah. that's just it. It seems like the other ones that were successful were just kind of coming off the hills and kind of existed because of the other show and got canceled because, you know, they had entered their free year run or just not been a ratings contender. So I think this is it. Until some of these old geezers that are in charge of the networks realize if you want to keep challenging all the premium channels and all the streaming networks, you've got to have some good content and you got to just stop just interfering with the creative process. And you also got to just plan it out, stop putting it on a night where people aren't tuning in and stop 
denying the fan base that could potentially exist. You know? I mean, they have but, to listen to the fans because we don't have to turn on NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox. We have such a wide variety to choose from now. I mean, I, 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 I don't even have cable anymore because I don't need to have cable. I, I, yeah. I, I spent a I hundred and some dollars on streaming services between HBO Max, Peacock, Hulu. I'm just eventually that. it'll end up on one of those streaming platforms or you'll buy the DVD discounted at a store and that's okay. And so yeah, like and you I, say, I've got my, I've got antennas, you know, antennas and a digital, the digital channels that you get off the air. Yeah. Um, or I can watch it on Hulu the next night. Um, I don't have to necessarily, you know, watch everything right away. And, and to be honest that a lot of the stuff that is on the, the, the channels like Netflix and they have better content. They really it's, do. Maybe it's because it's edgier because you, they can get away with more things. I, I don't know if that's what I'm finding. And people are used to doing a binge all in one day too. I mean, they, that's they have what patience. It is, is we are, we're an impatient society now. We don't want to wait a week. I don't want to wait to the next week for that episode. I want to watch, you know, I, I you get, I think it's true that people, they, they get done binging a show and, and they got to find another show to binge. You know, they, they mm-hmm. kind of call Jones in. I, I need a show. Get me a show. Right. <laughs> What's and the no, next show, no, man? No, Yeah. I'm out of shows. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so man. It's, it's, it's a very, it, there's a lot of competition when it comes to trying to find that right show. And they're going to have to do something. They have to keep up with it because... Everybody has options now. I mean, unless you are just totally broken, only have a pair of rabbit ears. I've <laughs> been under a rock for 5,000 years. <laughs> then I guess you can watch PBS and... <laughs> and think that's all there is. It's like, nope. <laughs> always And create TV. I, that's pretty much it. And <clears throat> then you get your NBC and ABC and go from there. Oh, that's so, Thank you ever so much for being on here. It's a delight. I had a blast, and um, I love doing this. This was great. And, uh, yes, SVU is is just... Better look out. <laughs> It'll be around in our hearts even years after it's off. It will be. It'll be... I'll be, I'll be like, you know... I'll be, like, watching it with my grandchildren. It'll be like, you know, Olivia Benson. Uh, I remember that episode when it first premiered. Yeah, I know. It'll people be like, boulders. <laughs> It'll be like Olivia Benson will be like having a walker, you know, she'll be like hitting the oh, perp with her cane. Oh, let's hope not. <laughs> It'll just be <laughs> Dick Wolf will be really dragging those ratings, you know. Oh, God. I hope he has more respect <laughs> and doesn't do that. Oh, God. Be like, be like hey, it's, 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 it's good for America. <laughs> it's good for America. Riska Haggerty. Everybody loves her. She is the queen of prime time. She's everyone's princess turned queen. She's my queen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank Uh, you so much for letting me. You rocked it. (laughs) Yeah, I had I had a fun time. Jen will be in her chambers plotting the next explosive episode. (laughs) I will. Yeah, we need to do this again. This is fun. We'll have to find something fun to do. Sure, for sure. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? 
Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, Peter. Yeah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you could think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say, ah, 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 good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> don't, don't run the listeners away Pete. Ah, i'm sorry but this is going kind of long yes so we'll end this and say hey check out the home video hustle every friday on all the various podcast outlets peace peace as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Break down, break down, break down the
Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's late, it's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love your movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies With a one last plot holes of gratuitous boobies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven at eilfm.podbean.com Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I am your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography 
which inspired this podcast. Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author Wendy Heller and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zemanoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zemanoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi there. It's Heather from the Watching Netflix Without You podcast. Did you know that there are over 1,200 Netflix original feature films and documentaries? 
and that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet, and in the second half, after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to Watching Netflix Without You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We now continue with our program. on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.